Welcome to Media, Marketing and Advertising on PG Podcast Network. Now here's your host, Paul Gardner. Search software when you get 2.36 billion hits, which as you might imagine could take quite some time to work through. You thought you only needed a URL, simple website and email, didn't you? But all of a sudden you've entered a world of e-commerce, project management, analytics, subscriptions, freeware, Salesforce, WordPress, PowerPoint, Adobe, GoDaddy. You're so bombarded you can almost lose sight of what I think the three most important questions should be. One, does the software meet your business needs? Secondly, does it really save time and money? And thirdly, does it make your employer's jobs easier? How do you work out what's best for you and your needs? And how much you should pay, if anything, for it? Let's find out with Jenny Junkier, CEO of Junkier New Era Consulting. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Paul. This is, this is kind of like software speed dating, isn't it? In half hey. an hour, we're going to go through what people need to know with software. Absolutely. 2.36 billion. How many of those have you looked at? Probably 100. <laughs> that is how many we still haven't, not many people have explored. How, how do you find the best software? What's, what's the secret? The secret is not looking for the software necessarily, but really understanding what the user needs first. And if you understand what the user needs, then finding the software is really easy. What about when you get to the software that you kind of like and you go to press download and suddenly it says in order to download this, you have to have these other 25 programs and all of a sudden your search engine's disappeared, your, your screensaver of your lovely children's changed into something, elephants in Africa or something. How, how do you avoid that sort of problem? We, we don't pick that type of software. So we have a strong preference for picking browser-based, cloud-based software. Looking forward into sort of the new era, we believe that the flexibility um, cloud-based software provides and the just the ease of use is far um, more beneficial than the traditional systems that, allow, that make you to do all those downloads and unnecessary steps. So here we are in 2017, 2.36 billion hits about software, and the very first software was patented in the US in 1968, one year before man walked on the moon, virtually the same month about 12 months. It was for efficient memory management. Do we still have efficient memory management? Not that I can see in that form, but there are probably softwares that do a similar function. As software as a service, now what, what, what does that mean? Surely software has always been a service. Not Actually, no, not really. Um, in the past, software was usually built in-house, um, mm. so large organisations would uh, custom make software, getting um, you know teams of IT people, external resources to build software that really was catered to their needs. Uh, it has only been in the last probably um, three, four, five years where software as a service became a lot more popular. So that's when an actual company will design and create software and be a software company mm-hmm. and then lease it out effectively or a, a subscription-based model where they allow users who have a need for that software to, uh, to use it. Is it safe? 100%. Because it's actually probably safer than you doing it internally. You think about the amount of resources if, it's, if your business is to prepare software, how you have to maintain it and keeping it um, you know, debugged uh, all the time versus a company doing it internally where if they don't have enough resources, the bugs still st- stay. So it is actually a lot safer. They spend a lot more investment in, you know, in, in the storage, in the um, security. I, I find it safer. It, it, what about open source? I mean, surely it's, it's, I, I'm trying to figure out how come so many people in Nigeria know that they're related to me. I can't quite work that out. <laughs> and I can only blame it on the fact that I must have downloaded software somewhere that has sent them notes to this guy's a sucker or something. So that, that is the difficult one because um, of software security. Um, with the open source allows flexibility and you know things like API integration allow flexibility to get into the software. Okay, let's go about API integration. Yes. Let's, let's start with that one. Okay. 
What is API integration? So it's just the newer um, platforms that software are built on. The eyes interface, I guess, is it? Yes. So it allows for softwares to talk to each other. Uh, it just opens the gap or opens the door for that to happen. It doesn't need, need it needs to stay open. Some some software companies will uh, create it with API capabilities, but then close the door mm-hmm. still. Um, but the ones that don't build it with API capabilities and they're building it in these days, like in 2017, and they haven't thought about API, they're wasting their time. I think. What about um, when my last job a while ago, a few years ago? We, every board meeting, we'd have a, a, an item, an agenda item, would be you know um, servers. You know, they're getting old, they're going to blow up, they're going to cost a fortune, there's wires hanging out of them, the place is going to burn to the ground, Y2K bug, all this stuff. Are servers finished? They're finished for, I believe they should be finished for organisations, but they're by no means finished for software companies. This is a new owner now. The software companies are the ones that really should invest in having the latest technology and having all that server capability. And the only way they're able to provide a software as a service is because of those servers. I just don't think they have a place in, in corporations. Corporations just focus on what they do best, their business, not worrying about servers. I come to Junkie at New Era Consulting and say, hey, listen, um, I'm clueless. This could be a real-life example, by the way. <laughs> I'm completely clueless here. Yeah. I'm going to start a business, SME business, say five to 11 employees. How do, I, how do you help me? Can you, can you help me find the right software? It's going to be, it's going to be another consulting business. I'm going to be a competitor. Sure. What, what do I do? Oh, it's easy. So the first thing you have to do is just really understand the functionality analysis. Um, so your business will have to do certain things in order to make money. Those certain things uh, could be quite comprehensive. Uh And so all we need to figure out is, uh, with an assessment, what are those things that your business has performed? I need to send emails. I need to be able to write documents. I need to be able to sell something to a customer. Whatever it is, you need to understand the functions. Once you understand the functions, that is the hardest part of software. Uh, And it takes a little bit of short-term pain, but a long-term gain. Tell me me about the short-term pain. What's the short-term pain? You you drive me crazy for a few weeks or something? It's not easy for an organization to understand and articulate their own needs. Uh And that's where someone like us could help because it's you know what you need to do. So you'd start with doing a functionality analysis. Now, that's easier said than done for people that are experienced in it. However, organizations do struggle with that a little bit because it requires them to be able to articulate how they describe their business in terms of tasks and steps that will relate to technology. So so is it harder for a new business or for an existing business? It's harder for an existing business. Because you basically have to say a lot of stuff you're doing needs to be junked and modernised or moved to the... Correct. So you'd think with an existing business, you're already doing the things. How hard is it to actually describe them? Um, But there's a bias that comes when you're trying to do it. Whereas if you're starting from scratch, you have no benchmark. And so be able to say, I need to do this, I need to do that, is a lot easier to come out. But it never, not notwithstanding that, that's what you know. People like us and other consultants can do. You can come yeah. in and do a functional analysis. That is the hardest part. And once that's done, it basically gives you a checklist. What does your software need to have? And you use it as a checklist. And and you source that as well. So you come to me and say, listen, you th- you said you needed this, 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 and this. I don't. Know. I needed a, a website. I needed. A- email I needed e-commerce and you, you pop that together is that the correct. idea so once you have so you go through the 2.36 billion ones I don't have yes, to worry correct. about doing that okay. once you have the uh, analysis done then you do a systems design or a whole of solution design and that is um, selecting the right software that can be ticking off as many things on that chest- checklist as possible that part's really simple because 
again, you you can we have um, relationships with some software companies. We ha- you can do okay. Google good old googling, yeah. uh, and the, the ones that are you know based on your location, like in, in Australia, using Australian software, um, whatever makes sense in the architectural design of your whole of um, software solution, is something that you do next. And you talk about Australia then. I mean, when you look up um, software and you do a bit of research and you see an awful lot of software companies in Bangalore. Yes. I mean, would you really choose Australian companies over an Indian company? Potentially, because a software uh, comes back down to support. Now, think about it. You're not actually using you're having this software internally. So what happens if something goes wrong and you need to get for it to be fixed? Because software, something will always go wrong. So it's the support teams. You know, how easy is it to access the support team in Bangalore? Time differences. How responsive are they? And so sometimes it's actually more practical to um, choose software from your local region. Uh, some of the bigger players, like you know, from the US, you're getting software. You're pretty safe in getting software from you know, countries like that because they've got 24-hour teams available for all across the world. I, st- I still get spooked out when they suddenly appear on your on your desktop. <laughs> that new functionality. No. How can I help you? Yeah, <laughs> but they're actually there and they're moving stuff around. You're imagining, oh, I just know my bank account's getting cleaned out while I'm, while I'm watching this live. So you've seen it grow dramatically in the time you've been doing this. Software as a service has become one of the biggest industries, I believe, um, now and going forward. Do I, get for, do I go for the free stuff or is the free stuff just sort of some sort of Trojan horse? Yeah, the free stuff always comes with limited um, ac- um, lim- limited functionality. So if you're a micro business, like a one-man person, and you know, a free software does the trick, by all means go for it. But if you're an enterprise-grade um, business and you need, you, you need to pay for the, for the really good stuff. And what are the basics I need? So let's let's assume that I'm an existing company rather than rather than a new company. New company, I guess, is greenfields easy. Existing company, you come and assess what I'm doing. Correct. And done you that. say, yeah. listen, have you have you thought that about this new type of software, which will take you to the next level? And I say, well, how do I do? I got ten people to work for me. Do I have to throw everything out? How much is going to cost me? Yeah. I mean, how do you how do you actually work out what's what's coming? So for most, nearly all companies, you need to consider what your core functionality is. And then you need to find one single database software for that core function. So, for example, if you sell stock, you need to make sure that your main computer software that you use is is dedicated to finance, be able to sell stock, uh, the sales function, the um, human resource function, anything to do with the selling of stock. Other companies like consultants, it's a bit harder because what is their core software? You know, they speak as their main um, service delivery. And so functionality for that becomes more like emails, communication functionality. So it's less important to have one core database. However, the, the biggest tip is go for a single database, a single ERP system. Jenny, in the introduction, I talked about three things that I think you need to do when you're looking at software. Um, obviously, should it should have met your business needs. We've discussed that. Uh, does it save money and time? I, I emphasise the word and because I think a lot of them say they save time, but I've seen systems and software come in that they're so complicated and people just forget how to use them. And they, and they tend to use three functions of the, the hundred that you've paid for. Is, is that a common yeah. problem? It is. And so my views on that is when you acquire software as a service, for example, and the software comes with you know ex- a comprehensive set of functions, the analysis... As opposed to a 600-page manual that you download on site, which you know, no one ever reads. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so as opposed to um, trying to use every bit of functionality, the fact that you've already done your functionality analysis helps you pick out of the 100 that you might only need to use the 20. But that is okay. That's actually a really good position to be in. You know you don't need the other 80, so don't, don't try to use it because then you are 
doing something that's inefficient just because you're trying to make use of the entire software. That's a pointless exercise. The one I had in mind is a workflow process, mm-hmm. which um, I think allegedly saved money. It didn't save time. We're running around trying to figure out how to, how to use the bloody thing. I mean, workflow is a really, really difficult one to manage. Work- workflow is... Um, when it's automated is the some of the one of the most efficient ways of using software because for example let's say this particular document has to go through five managers in order for approval to be happening at the end you know traditionally you'd take the piece of paper you'd take it to I'd walk it over to your desk and go hey, uh, can you sign this you'd leave it on your desk and you go oh, when you get around to it you'd sign it sure. and by the time you made, around, made its rounds for the fifth person that has to approve this thing you know it's it, a chance of it being lost it might have taken three four weeks and the walking around uh, with a piece of paper, piece of paper you know is insane time wise so these days if you have a automated one working well that's the question does it work well yeah. it, within a matter of maybe three four minutes it could have gone through the whole five people and the third one that i mentioned was does it make the employees jobs easier I mean, how important is that extremely important one of the biggest frustrations of every individual in an organization that's an employee if you ask them 80 percent of them will say software they are so frustrated that their software doesn't do what it needs to do. It doesn't do it as fast as it needs to do it. They don't know how to use it, and, and the organization is doing nothing about it. Software seems daunting to change, but actually, you know, we talked about speed dating. You should be dating different softwares regularly. It's, it's not for life. Like, one software is not and for how, life. And how do I speed date different softwares? I mean, I don't, I don't go to some sort of dating site, do I? I just <laughs> flick pictures of if wires, wires and, and tubes and say, oh, that looks pretty cute. So how you should look at changing software frequently is by um, always when monitor the frustration levels of your employees. So as soon as you realise that people are getting frustrated at a large scale, that's time for you to start looking at who you're going to date. And then once you do the process again, the same process I'm talking you through, which is you know functionality, functionality analysis, do the selection, and then get all the integrations and connections right, which I'll talk to you about in a second. Once you've done that process once, uh, and, it, and you're able to implement it successfully, do it again two years later or three years later, whenever the need arises. How important is when I when I buy software to consider the future and say, listen, okay, I'm currently only a ten person business now. But I'd like to be a 50-person business. Therefore, I should get the, this one, X rather than Y. Is that, that's obviously important. You should never look into getting software unless you're thinking about the future. Software, if you buy it for the now, will only take you so far. Because unless you're planning on your business being static and not moving or growing, then chances are even within six months you'll, need, you'll have uh, different needs if you don't consider what you're going to need in the future. How much should I, how much should I spend on software? What sorts of... That depends how big you are. So, okay, so, um, person, small, so. so small businesses yeah. don't have to spend more than two hundred to three hundred dollars a month in software. Okay, so it's not it's not like a huge outlay no. like the old days of the ser- the server rooms and, <laughs> and and men in pointy hats sort of running around screwing things in. Correct, and that's because of the benefit of software as a service. I see that software is uh, essentially broken into three parts: application, system, and programming tools. Mm-hmm. Which is the one that, that scares you the most? Which is the hardest to figure out? I would say that application is the one that's the killer. The systems and program tools, you leave it to the IT guys, the, you know, the software companies that are developing those. The application is where it falls down. They may make beautiful software, but if the organization doesn't know how to use it in its best form, they might, might as well not have the software, or you're getting probably 20% benefit out of having it there. 
What about machine learning? I mean, is, is, that, is that an important part now of the software? So if I'm sending something out to a customer, it learns more and more and more about that customer. Is that, is that, is that coming more and more, that artificial intelligence? Surely they're the new buzzwords coming out. Oh, absolutely. It is one of the best things to come out. Uh, think about managing data manually. You know, most people... Uh, in their software systems have thousands and thousands of data points uh, or data just floating around and extracting that data is so difficult. There's a whole professions around that now but organisations don't do that well. They don't know how to extract that information really, really easily. Think about now a machine that allows you to be um, receiving that data on a silver platter. That's effectively what machine learning is doing and what you can do with it in terms of sales and marketing and even just making better decisions within the organisation is phenomenal. I'm talking to Jenny Junkier, CEO of Junkier New Era Consulting. We're doing a bit of software speed dating here at the moment. Jenny, um, one of the things that's emerged of late, uh, let's call it under the, under the banner of Google Analytics. Now, when I look at Google Analytics, I find it essentially useless, really. Mm-hmm. It's thin. It doesn't really tell me much. It just sort of tells me very, very shallow, superficial look. But analytics, obviously, a critical part of, of what you're doing in business. What, what is the best sort of analytics software I should be looking at? Um, so there's, I mean, there's plenty of business intelligence tools. The The best thing um, to do with analytics and what we find people go a bit nuts with business intelligence tools is they pick one because it's the flashiest or it you know, provides the most amount of data. And I, I, I'm not a fool by that hype. Personally, I prefer to know the information I'm looking for first. You know, what are the critical data pieces or information sets I need to make the right decisions? So you build your own dashboard? Ideally, I'd like to, yes, build my own dashboard using one of the business intelligence tools. Uh, and that part, if you can get that part right, then literally most tools will be able to do that for you. So you've convinced me to go and get all those wonderful bits of software, and they're from different places, maybe a couple from Bangalore just to mix it up a bit. How do you integrate it? So we've talked about API um, capabilities before. That's the key. So there are actually service providers that allow you to get your softwares to talk to each other. Uh, but how you need them to talk to each other is requires some thinking first, some human thinking. And as soon as you've done the architectural design of saying this is how this software should speak to this software, um, then you just go and get the service performed and you have them all working beautifully together. You, you make it sound a lot easier than I suspect it really is. Yes, I, I, obviously I'm not an IT I'm the kind of person who said, this was supposed to be done two weeks ago, what's happening? Oh, you don't understand how it works. Yeah, so I'm not the IT tech head that does the integration, but I know that um, when when we've done it in the past, it's been a really seamless um, process for us as a user of it. Obviously, um, the the supplier is busy away doing their technical thing, but it is quite straightforward. It obviously um, has the ability to really change the culture of an organisation too, so... If, we're, if I'm a group of people that largely use Excel spreadsheets and suddenly we've moved this software program, how do you get people to adopt it? And, and obviously as part of that change management, how do you do that? I'll give you a statistic in terms of, um, uh, to help phrase this. So 28% of software installed goes unused. And the reason it goes unused is people aren't managed in terms of their change journey when something is new is installed. And so... Change management has to. It's imperative that it, it occurs in an organisation that's planning to change software. So is that a HR function? No, it's not purely a HR function. It's actually change management and the, the theory around it is being really 
popular in the last five or so years in terms of how important it is. It's really come to the surface. And so now not only is change management a popular thing for software implementation, it's a popular thing for every project um, initiative that you have going on. So the best part of the um, benefit of um, change management done properly is that it goes through a process of ensuring there's awareness for the software, that there's a desire to use it, there's a know-how on how to use it, they've been trained so they have the ability to use it, and then you reinforce that. So it's called the ADCAR um, principles, the ProSci change management ADCAR principle. That works beautifully. And if, if an organisation does that whilst implementing um, software, the adoption rates will be massive and that is the biggest success. So is software simplistically just a way to keep up or a way to get ahead? It's a way to get ahead in my opinion. And and what what are the what are the success stories you can think of? And what are the busts? So I can give you some busts, um, some popular busts with like large companies in the US and so you're familiar with Hershey's, the chocolate I am, company. The chocolate yeah. Bar, yeah. yeah. So a while back, so not recently. Uh, they probably would have learned from their lesson by now. But um, when they in 1999, when they were introducing um, SAP, and, uh, which is an ERP system, the implementation was not done very well. But it was around the time where Halloween was, uh-huh. and so by not having the software capabilities ready, they weren't fully functioning. And in you can think, what does software have to do with making chocolate? But it, it has everything to do with you know the, the supply chain, the distribution, uh, the organisation of sales, marketing everything revolves around that ERP system so if they're not functional it means they can't you know uh, fulfill orders they can't take orders and so they basically missed one um, uh, missed the boat on that year's Halloween it costs them approximately 100 million dollars just because they chose the wrong timing to deliver that software and they didn't ever do a very good job of actually implementing the software wow that's a bust yes huge what what, tell tell me the success stories when you've seen the the small as I understand it, so software, you said, it allows us to get ahead of the game, not just play catch-up, right? Yes. So by inference, it allows smaller players to compete with bigger size competitors yeah. because you don't need the resources and the people and the space. And, yeah? Yes. What's the, what's the next stage? What, what, what's, what's coming now? What's, so what's the next big breakthrough in software? Is it, is it AI? Yes, um, but you're not really going to get um, software that goes, I want AI, I'm going to buy that software. It's the in- integration of AI into your software. So only sophisticated software, um, as in modern-day software, is going to have that capabilities. And so the best move organisations can do is really consider what software they're using now, how much do they really believe AI and um, every other type of, um, you know, uh, augmented reality and other type of uh, modern software and technology, how much do they really need it or want it to be incorporated into their normal business day? And then if their current software is not capable of having that new new trends and uh, coming in, they need to consider the next date. I read somewhere that um, email will be a thing of the past in three years, that uh, Facebook will, will take over. Yeah. Basically. Is, do, you, do you believe that? Yeah. So we actually use um, Workplace by Facebook at the moment. In what, is, what is Workplace? So effectively, it, it's funny, it looks like your Facebook feeds in your personal, um, when you use Facebook personally. Yeah. However, um, we're doing, we're just trialling it. Um, we've been trialling it for the last six months. So I've just, I've just mastered emails, you can tell me they're out. Yeah, potentially. Um, Internal communication, I mean, think about it. One of the biggest inefficient uses of people's times is going through and answering emails every day. It's literally every day. And so how about if you take away the need to do that, look how much more hours you have in your day but to how, actually how get real ta- work done. How do you take away the need to answer all those emails? 
they don't just disappear. Someone will, someone will communicate with you. Correct. So it's really dissecting communication. So taking away emails requires you to streamline how and who you communicate to. So play, um, software like um, the Facebook um, Workplace is um, designed to help internal communication, for example. Uh, if you're liaising on a project, or if you're liaising on a task or a matter, there are certain ways you can do instant chatting through Facebook. You can have design groups for projects to communicate with each other. So it stops, it tries to minimise the back, I'm going to send something to you, you're going to send something back to me. Uh-huh. It's more in one feed, which means it's live. You've responded, I've responded, you've responded, I've responded. So similar to how you chat online personally and how effective and fast that is, workplaces now now adopting that speed so, of communication. So Jenny, in software speed dating, you've looked at all the eligible software pieces. Who's the one that's most attractive to you? Um, there are so large players, uh, uh, people, uh, companies like NetSuite. They're really good for um, medium to large size companies. Um, companies like Zero, um, which are core companies, are really good for small businesses. They're fantastic base core systems. Then there's your add-ons. There's multiple add-ons. There is, you know, t- um, task management software. There's communication software. It, I don't have a favourite because a lot of them are needed for different reasons. You got to, you got to have a favourite. This is a speed dating show. You've got to pick one. You can't sort of say. I really can't. It's What's like the picking, one you can't live with? It's Come like on. picking. It's like picking between your children. You really can't. That's how I feel about software. <laughs> Fair enough. This is Jenny Junkier, CEO of uh, Junkier New Era Consulting taking us to a very quick speed dating on software. Now, if I want to find out more about what you do, how do I do that? So come jump on our website, so okay. www.junkier.com.au. J-U-N-K-E-E-R. Correct. Yeah. Um, but the best way to probably um, communicate with us is just ring us. It's so, so much... So don't use email. Yes. Correct. Call us. It's so much um, more beneficial to have a face-to-face conversation about these types of things. And, and if they ring you, promise it won't be a robot that answers or someone in Bangalore. Promise. It would you someone either get myself or one of my teammates. In the Waterman Centre in Chadston, Victoria, Australia, someone will answer that phone. Correct. Jenny, thank you very much. No worries. Thank you, Paul.